0: Good morning. Good afternoon. I'm Bill Connor. If you've reached the Digital Shop Talk Radio, where we gather with our panelists on Wednesdays at 12 o'clock Central to have them um, share some uh, wisdom with you, today I'm here with Brittany Schindler, General Manager of Rod's Japanese Auto Care. Brittany's been with us many times in the past. Um, we appreciate her coming back, and Marie Aristu, owner of Arizona Auto and Radiator Repair, also joined us in the past. And of course, Autovital's Spanda Uber is here to um, keep us moving along. Join us today to learn what leadership skills have been used in growing a shop to a powerful team culture combined with using the digital shop metrics. We're going to talk about what metrics are used for accountability and how they've been made a centerpiece for many shops um, that are into digital teams. Join our panelists, all shop owners with impressive track records, as they explore how they transform their shops from, you know, where they started out to being full digital today. Um, listen and learn how the industry is, has adjusted for them and will continue to do so. And as always, teamwork is required to provide great results for all shops. You'll take away some tips to put powerful team culture combined with using the digital metrics for accountability. As always, you'll learn from our guest panelists who operate shops just like yours. So Uwe, if you wouldn't mind, uh, why don't you go ahead and get us started here?
1: I'm happy to do so. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I also want to mention that we unfortunately couldn't uh, have Rebecca on as a third panelist uh, as announced because she lost her voice. So that's that's difficult to be a panelist on a podcast. But um, we will have her back for um, another topic at a later time. So thank you Anne-Marie and Brittany for joining us. And this is a big topic today. So let's see how we're gonna break it down. Uh, we, we have selected the topic because it seems to be an a huge transition going on in the industry and it has started years ago and it doesn't seem to stop. And And we wanna we wanna explore, you know, what made the transition happen. And and, and as we talked yesterday in the pre-meeting, um, and where we you're now able to run several businesses in parallel. I don't know whether that was possible ten years ago. Well, and and Brittany, your results are just you know mind blowing. <laughs> and, and and so we really wanna we wanna drill down how did you do that what enabled it and and so I want to first ask both of you to give us a quick overview um, where's your shop size some metrics maybe like ARO car count and and so on and so forth and Marie if 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 you could start Sure.
2: So my name's Anne Marie and I'm with Arizona Auto and Radiator and Collision Center down here in Service, Arizona. Um, We have three techs here at our repair facility and then two techs over at our collision center. Um, We average around 500 or so on our RO and we see about 195 to 225 cars in our car count. Um, We've been in business since 1997. So we've been doing this a while. And uh, over the years, I've definitely learned a lot, especially when it came to to digital learning certain things about leadership skills, which we'll go into later today. So really excited about the topic.
1: Thank you. Brittany?
2: Right on. Hey,
3: I'm Brittany Schindler. Um, I work for my dad's business. That's soon to actually be mine by the end of the year. I've been a service advisor for 12 years now. We have six and a half base shop. Um, Currently, we have three technicians. Our ARO right now is about 1,400 and our labor hours per ticket is just over five hours per ticket. Um, and we're doing only about like 30 cars a week. And we've been using auto vitals for eight years and it's been a, a huge, huge help. So yeah, that's, that's our shop.
1: So how many shop owners are, are doing the pilgrimage to your shop to find out how you're doing five hours per hour?
3: <laughs> it, it's taken a while. I, I focus a lot on you know, how, we can, how we can always get better. And my luckily we have a great culture here and my team's always down to um, look at things and get better. We're not we're never not satisfied with where we are because we absolutely are. We're stoked of where we are. But um, to even get better than that, um, obviously even better. So.
1: Thank you. So first question to both of you, if you if you compare today and when you started what's let's let, let's ask a different question when you started and 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 all of a sudden or maybe not all of a sudden had responsibility for running a business, responsibility for taking care of your staff and their families, you know what was the biggest change in doing so and How did you prepare? Brittany, if you...
3: Sure.
1: (laughs) I don't really care.
3: (laughs) Um, For me, it's a little different. I was was 20 when I started here. Um, I had no plans on even working for my dad. I actually owed him money um, when I was 19 for a car. And it just literally snowballed into a job. And then I started to become more of the the leadership role. You know, as a service advisor, you kind of are that that forefront person that that organizes the day and things like that and figures it out with customers and talks to the technician and let them know what's going on. So you're kind of like a a leader already in a service writer position. And it was a little difficult at first because I didn't know anything about cars, even though my dad owned the shop um, because I had no plans to do it. And, you know, all, everybody was older than me and I was trying to, you know, kind of direct them and things like that. And I think after four years in is when we got auto vitals, um, but I was much better as a service advisor at that time. And I had more belief and respect, I guess, from my other team members and the technicians and things like that. And we all agreed that this was the best way to do it was to do the digital inspection. Uh, my dad's idea in the very beginning was to have everybody do an inspection on their own car. So they would actually see how it looks like to them or to the customer. And so they know exactly why they were doing it. So my dad kind of led off with that but, you know, just proving of why and how things work to show them and be completely open and transparent with them. Like, Hey, this is why we're doing it. And, and this works. And I give them customer feedback all the time. I'm like, Hey guys, just so you know, all these pictures that you're taking are amazing customers are loving it. You're obviously your arrow and labor per ticket, they're, they're racking less cars. Um, so they, they saw it there too. So, um, I'm always open and transparent with my entire team and I involve them in any changes that we make. And that's been a huge help to really get them on board and believe in what we're doing.
1: So for you, the biggest change was to get from just paying off your car to running a shop. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) so, So so if I may, um, it must have been tough, you know, as a 20 year old, the youngest, Mm -hmm. um, no clue about cars, directing technicians what to do, and then ask them to put more work in, (laughs) create pictures and notes and all that stuff, which is not directly related to immediate hours paid so how did that go
3: it it was uh, sharing a lot of customer feedback was a huge thing for for them because mm-hmm. everyone likes to feel good about what they're doing and like hear the feedback from the customers so i would tell them every single time someone said something good about it I'm like mm-hmm. i would i would go tell them and and instill that belief and again just the the aro going up and up and their pay going up um all of that really helped. And I wasn't trying to be super nitpicky. You know, I was like, hey, we need more pictures. Hey, we need more pictures. <laughs> We've all been there in the very <laughs> beginning of Auto Vitals 2. Right. And um things got easier with Auto Vitals too because we were with you guys like in the very beginning and um things started to get faster. We had to like revamp our internet. We're like, hey, okay, I understand it's lagging a little bit out there. So uh, we changed our internet out there. So we we're trying to make it as easy as possible. And it was one of those non-negotiables, you know, this doing the inspection is non-negotiable, but how we perform it and in what order we perform it was negotiable. So they were a huge part of where did you want things on the list of while you're performing the inspection. So they technically helped build it. So that was also a huge part of getting them to do full buy-in was actually having them be a huge part of building our specific inspection that we have.
1: Very cool. Thank you, Brittany and Marie.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, for, uh, for me, um, I started in finance, um, when I was 18 and I did that for about, you know, 10 years or so. And I was not in the automotive industry at all. I just did the books for my husband. My husband's one that actually started the business from the ground up. You start out as a one man shop in in one bay and, and then slowly started to try to grow it. Um, and when things started the word of mouth, his business started to really, you know, vamp up, he needed help. So I decided that I was going to leave the finance side and, um, and dive into helping him more in with customer service and stuff. So I had to basically learn, um, the ins and outs of each position when I came aboard, um, cause I really did not know a thing about vehicles. And so um, once I started to do that, I then had to learn the, the, to implement process and procedures, learn more about the industry. Um, you know, Facebook really at that time wasn't the biggest uh, thing. So when it came out, it was amazing. And then when we, uh, I think we've been about eight years now too with auto vitals. And so trying to get everybody on board and implementing that Uh, process and procedure um, and, uh, you know, learning how to, to coach them and, and mentor them. I think that was very new for, you know, starting out as um, teaching our staff and, and things and trying to improve things. So really getting their buy-in and stuff really helped a lot. Um, And I think the biggest thing too, for us that, that was a huge change in preparing was, you know, hiring a coach, Hiring, you know, an RLO, an elite, um, really brought a lot to improving and helping our shop um, as a whole and just networking with other people. And, uh, you know, just even being part of the Facebook groups with you guys on auto vitals helps a lot because it helps us keep um intact with the changes, how to implement things, sharing information and then taking that back to our staff and then getting their buy-in, as Brittany had mentioned as well. So, um, you know, our biggest change was was trying to adapt and, and knowing the right things, process and procedures to implement to to get everybody on board to make things more efficient. Um, and so that for me, I think was the biggest change of uh, you know putting and preparing for our shop to move forward for success.
1: And, and if you look at the day, let's say eight years ago, you were you were a shop owner in tandem with your husband. Um, and now what has changed if you go through the hours of the day, the typical day?
2: So what's changed for us is, is that we've been able to kind of step back a little bit. I mean unfortunately, there are times where we still have to run work in the business instead of on the business. But for the most part, working on the business now from you know afar, being the fact that we're digital, you can just look at the dashboard and you can see like exactly where things are. And from that, I can educate, mentor, from wherever I'm at and expressing to my staff, hey, we need to, you know, increase this or hey, I, I was in, reviewing these inspections and, you know, there isn't this, enough pictures there. We need to kind of evamp and and edit some things. And so it really gives me more time now to be able to implement um, and add things for our shop that's better. So that's been the biggest change is being able to work on the business and not so much in it.
1: And And so you were let's say eight years ago, you were in the shop every day, I assume. Absolutely. And today you're sitting wherever you have internet and a computer and run how many businesses now?
2: Yeah, so I I do run multiple businesses. I'm in real estate too. So I do real estate on nights and weekends and sometimes even during the day. So I I really have to prepare my scheduling accordingly. Um, I'm also feeding up the uh, fitting a service advisor position right now until we we hire someone so that's been a little bit challenging but um yeah i have mobile home park i have an apartment complex i have clients that i help so with having these tools in place it really helps me be able to maintain and manage things from wherever realistically i'm at
1: and and you shared in the pre-meeting you're uh, going to switch point of sales to go truly digital
2: Yeah, so we are looking to go from Mitchell um, to Shopware. Um, We just uh, currently implemented our 360 payment so that we can start doing a little bit of text to pay. Um, One of the other meetings that we had the other day with some some other folks um, with repair shop websites was implementing uh, face pay. I think that's another way of Places that people are going. So, again, taking that time and implementing everything that we can possibly do digitally, make things more efficient for people, um, including my staff, um, you know, is a great thing. Um, and I'll be honest with you without digital, we would be completely lost. It would be not enough time in the day to get everything that we need done. So, um, I'm all in for digital.
1: Very cool. Brittany, if you compare, oh, Go ahead. There was a I was going to ask
0: you, how do you get from the point of going ahead and being an outsider to the industry and getting in there to a place where you can go ahead and be comfortable, kind of walking away and stepping away? Do you you had shared in our prep meeting that you like to go ahead and when somebody comes to you with a problem, instead of solving it, you like to ask them what do they think they should do about it to kind of prep them?
2: Yeah, I like to use. Um, you know, if, if the staff makes mistakes, the biggest thing I like to do is um, utilize that as a training uh, session right then and there. Um, you know, you don't need to belittle anyone. Um, you just need to tell them, you know what, hey, mistakes happen, and we're not going to point fingers on whose fault it was or anything like that. Let's just all talk about what we can do to solve the issue together and, and move on, and um, that has been a that's been a huge key for me as far as leadership goes is, you know, um, we're all human. We're, we are going to make mistakes, but allowing them to realize that mistake, that's, that's how we learn. That's how we, we can continue to move forward. And um, I think that's one of the big takeaways that I've asked my staff, because I do, I ask my staff all the time, how do you see me as a leader? What can I do to improve? Because without their feedback, I'm not going to know what I'm doing right or doing wrong. And I ask them to be very transparent with me. Um, and sometimes when we have our meetings or whatnot, I'll have everybody kind of put thing on a piece of paper or even type it up so that I don't know who says anything and then share that feedback with me if they're afraid to really open up. But my door is always open and people are really transparent with me and very easy to get along with. And so, you know, just asking them for that feedback really helps me even grow and become a better leader.
1: That is that is awesome. I mean, I assume there were times when you were doubting this is the right track, or was it from the beginning? I mean, it's never smooth with writing, right? But, no. you know, well, I mean, the, I to the get the staff...
2: Yeah, when you, when you doubt something, when I doubt something or I'm not exactly too sure, I'll be honest with you, I may express to them and say, you know what, I don't have the answer to that at the moment, but I have so many people and so many resources just to go to that. If I don't have the proper answer, um, I will go to my resources, my, my local Facebook groups, anybody, and, and even people within my networking that I'm close to that are other shop owners, I will share my situation and then get feedback too, on how maybe perhaps I should address it. So if I'm not really a hundred percent confident on how to address something, I will go find help.
1: And you're completely open about that to your staff, and and they
2: absolutely,
1: and they respect that as a leadership skill that you're vulnerable, and, and so that I mean, I that's don't a big change. I don't make them right? believe
2: that I know everything. Yeah, right. I, I don't know everything. Even though I'm a business owner, doesn't mean I have all the answers. So um, you know, letting them know that, that if for some reason I don't know something, I'll definitely help them. That's one of my biggest. Uh, uh, perks is that, um, I will find out, <laughs> I will dig until we, we, we figure it out. So, yeah.
1: Very cool. It's one of the leadership
0: skills I always like of a, of a shop owner is, is being able to go ahead and educate, delegate, and make it to where their job is to really make their job obsolete, where mm-hmm. they can go on it and do something else, or at least you have an exit strategy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had two great service advisors in the past, honestly, that, that i miss dearly, um, that were very good at their positions, but I helped them grow. I helped them grow into what they realistically wanted to do for a living. Um, both of them wanted to get into real estate, start doing investments. And um, because of my background and skills that I had, I basically made that happen for them. And then they moved on to that side of the industry. So, you know, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's sad to see people go after you've worked so hard to put them in place and have them you know, do great things for your business, but at the same time, you got to let them fly and do the things that they're passionate about. And um, it makes me feel good too, because I had a huge part in that, saw them go. And and now I got to find another person and just make them part of the family again. That's just the cycle.
1: Have you, have you, have you thought about, uh, Bill covered that in one of the previous um, episodes about having the bench, right? So you, if that happens, you can backfill and, and and what what seems to work extremely well is an apprentice program mm-hmm. have you have you thought about something like that?
2: Yeah, actually, um, I have been part of an apprentice program with our college here. Um, oh, perfect. So we, we do a little bit of apprenticeship with the uh, technician side. And then we started doing a little bit with service advising, maybe trying to get some of the college or I'm sorry, the high school kids to come in and they get school credit. Um, so we have oh, been wow. trying to to possibly look into doing more of that. We haven't done it in a few years, actually, prior to the pandemic, it kind of slowed down. So, you know, we'd like to get back in, back on track on that. So it's definitely something that's still in the works that we'd like to improve on.
1: Very cool, very cool. If I may switch to Brittany, Brittany is chomping on the bit. Um, Brittany, back to, if you compare the day eight years ago, whenever it was to now a typical day, what, what's the difference?
3: Oh, those crazy old paper inspections that we (laughs) used to have and bring a clipboard out to the shop and drop it in the little (laughs) slot and try to put it in order and then guess, guess what they were doing. It, It was actually so one of the biggest things there was since I didn't know a whole lot about cars, I couldn't just walk up to the technician and gauge how much longer he had on a job. Mm-hmm. And so I would be like, hey, like, what parts have you got done? Um, when are you gonna be done so I can update the customer? And I had one grumpy technician that I totally got rid of because again, I'm focused on culture a lot. He'd be like, I don't know. I'm like, well, like tomorrow, like in an hour, next week, like anything, like just <laughs> tell me anything, I'd like to know. Um, and, I, and I had no idea at that time. But man, with, with the digital work order with AutoVitals, like they check off when they're done. I'm like, oh, sweet. All he's got left to do is an alignment now. So I know that it's going to be done here soon. Um, so, I, you know, I can call the customer and update them that, um, hey, we have just a couple more services left to do. And then I'm going to update you again and let you know for sure when it's done and it's gone through quality control. So that's been a huge, huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um for customers, And I don't even have to walk out in the shop. There's no right. reason for any service advisor to need to walk out there. We can, we can gauge it all on the TVP, which is amazing. We can see how long they've been on a car. We can say, you know, uh, what's going on? Why are we way over on diagnostics? Because that was another thing we used to do back in the day too, is Um, Give away diagnostics or knock down diagnostics, you know, and diagnostics is one of the things that you should never, ever, ever, ever give away, and you should also never go over on time. Um, I think that that's helped tremendously with having a a digital work order and inspection um, by showing a lot more value you know they're taking pictures of the scan tool you're taking a picture of how the oxygen sensor is reading I you know I used to say oh it's like a heart monitor you know I'd say that to a customer but here we are we literally have a picture of it of the scan tool looking like a heart monitor of how that sensor is operating or you know if it's flatlined and dead you know it, it uh, rings more of a bell to the customer of how that sensor actually operates um, so it's, it's way different I was still blown away at first because my dad has such a good name for himself he's he's such a transparent and really really nice guy and always doing the right thing um, before we went digital you know people would say yes all the all the time to big jobs without pictures and now it just kind of blows me away it's like we live in a different world from 12 years ago too and even 10 eight years ago um, but the the way that we do things now is it just makes perfect sense to the customers whatever the the picture they see they can go google it and, and they know it's exactly whatever we say it is. You know, Google's gonna tell them the exact same thing because we're completely transparent with them with, with the digital inspection and work order.
1: So how long, question, how long did it take you to convince the crumpy technician to actually check off the jobs? Because <laughs> now he's gonna be monitored, right? That's, uh, that was for a lot of technician initially, A so, so you know exactly what I'm doing, no, 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 no.
3: <laughs> it was hard at first. It was hard to like, how can I get him to see that this is a good thing right. for the entire team? Um, and without me being so nagging, you know, hey, don't forget to check off the job. Hey, don't forget to check off the job. Hey, we need more pictures. Hey, we need more pictures. You know, we we would I would like to bring it up at our team meetings that we have uh, every Friday at lunch. That's that's how I like to bring things up is still today rather than going to nag on someone like, hey guys, mm-hmm. Why, like we just, I just open up a discussion. Hey, why do we take pictures before and after? Why do we um, take pictures of the good stuff and the bad stuff? Let's just have a discussion of why we do it, and then I let them kind of just roll with the whole conversation. And then everyone's giving their feedback to service advisors, to technicians. They're like, "Well, we do this, this, and like, it covers our butts," and you know, they say all these things. And they just have their whole conversation. I didn't even need to do anything besides bring up the topic, um, and then you know, that person that isn't doing it was hopefully listening and, and then i've even heard them given their their two cents of oh yeah we should be doing this or blah 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 and then um it, it feels like it was their idea so i try to really go for like the the mentor and empowering type of leadership and you know com- completely um transparent with them and um but really empowering Empowering them really gets them on board to to change. So when you
0: when you talked earlier, you talked about your non-negotiables. the non-negotiable is you're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And what you did is you asked them to go and describe to you what they think the benefit to them would be by doing it right.
3: Yes. Yep. And then and then yeah, we just had an open open discussion of you know, and that wasn't just with the technicians; it was technicians and advisors. So we we'd all have a long talk, and it was like it was a really passionate conversation. Actually every every time we, we bring something up like that. Um, the the culture that we have here is it does have a lot of passion in what we do and why we do things. And if when they have their own conversation, without me being a dictator type of leader, um, things go way better and way smoother and they're more likely to to do it. <laughs> so
1: and and you were always convinced of that way. There was an odd a kind of step back where the technician said i told you it's not going to (laughs) work
3: i don't think so i don't think there's any time like that no because like we we would all sit there and and like we would agree to it at the at the very end or at least compromise at the very end and like finish that conversation i i don't like to just all right well time's up got to go back to work kind of thing Sometimes we would go to lunch for an hour and a half when we we were originally going to take an hour lunch. But those things are so, so important um, to make sure that those conversations do have like kind of an ending to it and like a, a final resolution or, or compromise, if you will. So when and you come up a with dick-
0: yes, that dick- final decision about what everybody agrees to do, do you go ahead and say, okay, now we've all decided together, this is what we're going to do. Do you also go and define a timeline that you want to go and see that happen and how you're going to measure the change?
3: Yes. I write down notes from every single uh, meeting and then we talk about it at the beginning of the next meeting to make sure wow. that we we all did what we said we were gonna do. And then I write up standing operating procedures. If I don't already have one written up, I, I'll write it up based off of our lunch meeting and I'll do that in between the two lunch meetings and then I'll 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 print it out and I'll say, is this how we all agreed to it and then have everybody sign it.
0: And so, wow, what happens, what happens awesome. in what happens as a leader if you go ahead and you define this, you define a due date, and then it doesn't happen? Do you just give up on it, or how do you how do you attract that with a a task or a process that might be a little bit more resistant?
3: I feel like that's that's where you really fail in leadership is when you don't follow through and you don't hold people accountable for things that they said that they were going to do. So I try my absolute hardest to never ever do that. To not just be like, oh yeah, we talked about it, but um, we all agreed to do it. And now we're not doing it. And it's okay. Um, we'll just we'll just keep bringing it up until it just becomes a habit. And and reassure every single meeting that we have that this is the right way that we're doing it. And just like a, a simple reminder, not nitpicking, not nagging, but like just a like remember this is how we're supposed to do it. And we talked about mm-hmm. it as a team. And we'll bring it up in front of you know the entire team first to without naming any names or anything like that, but just re-have that conversation if, if I need to, if things don't get done that we said that we are going to do.
0: And can I assume that you're actually using the data to do that? So there really isn't anywhere to hide. It's not a gut feeling. It's not what, you know, Brittany feels today. It's actually based on a metric that you're, you're actually got some data to support.
3: Yes, I audit everything. I love that the metrics that even of has, you know, hey, guys, we need to take more pictures. Let's say that was one thing that we talked about. Um, and then a month later, cause you know, a month is, is a long time to really get that metric to come up. Um, let's, let's look at how more pictures correlate with higher ARO. I'll show them the chart and then I can even show them per technician privately if I need to like, Hey, look at Jason's taking, you know, this many pictures and his ARO is, is way higher. So like I can literally prove it with, with numbers to get if if they if I need to I guess
1: when you were service advisor did you use those numbers for yourself
3: yes absolutely even you know editing the photos the number of photos um yes all those metrics we use um the how long the motorist has looked at the inspection like that's a huge one for me too and we have a I think ours is like 10 minutes or something like that really yes Yep. She's, she's I have a lot there. of information on mine. I am like <laughs> extremely proud of mine. I actually just recently showed my 20 group, my ATI 20 group, how my inspection looks to the customers and their jaws dropped to the floor. They were like, why do, why don't ours look like that? So they're actually all revamping theirs to, to change it. And that's also what I love about auto vitals. You can literally just tailor it to like how your shop wants it. Exactly. You can put whatever you want on your inspection. You can edit it however your shop wants to do it.
1: So did the fourteen hundred dollars convince your twenty group, or more the look of the inspection report? Yes. Or both probably.
3: <laughs> they love they love my numbers and they love the way that the inspection looks. I talk to them a lot about my goal with the inspection is to instill confidence into the customer so that they they feel confident in the decisions that they make for the vehicle. Right. I want them I want them to be like looking at their inspection and be like did you know what a PCV valve is? You know, like, and like tell their friend about it, like teach, teach them because they learned all about it too. And, and they have that confidence then they fully understand what it is, even without me telling them over the phone, even though we, right. we reiter, reiterate if we need to, or if they didn't fully understand it, you know, there's plenty of customers that don't even care. Like, cool. That's awesome. It looks, it looks awesome. The pictures and stuff, but don't really care. Just do it, you know, right. uh, but that's this also a
0: question for both of you. Do you yeah. find that your process of di- using digital tools, does that build confidence between the service advisors and the technicians also?
3: Yes, absolutely. Because they're seeing exactly what the technician is saying. And then if they have questions, mm-hmm. I always say, go ask your technicians like what that part is and what it does. So we're always all on the same page of how we present it to the customer. You know, the technicians, diagnostics, write up, um, is written just like the, the service advisor would tell the customer too.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And um, I think too that the, um, the, when they do video too, I think that helps a lot. Or sometimes when they do talks to, uh, talk to text, um, uh, when they're videoing or, or even typing something up, then if they have something specific they want to say, if they can say it pretty quickly and we can save it on there and send that to the customer too, that, that tends to help a lot as well.
1: Mm -hmm. cool um so can we name maybe maybe let's make it a little bit more um in detail i assume that the kpis you looked at in the introduction of the digital process and you focused on were different ones than today or some of them you kept and others you can now take for granted and focus on something else. Is that true, or has it always been the same set inspection, send pictures, and whatever else you mentioned? How is that? What are the KPIs you look at?
3: I still look at all of them, um, but I I think the number of pictures I don't need to look at very much because everyone everyone knows what to take pictures of and and that they need to take a picture for every single recommendation that they do, or at least 99% of them. Um, so pretty sure we're all on board with that. So I don't, I'm not ever worried about that. I do like to still look at the motorists, like how long they've research been looking time. at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the research time. Um, and then of course, ARO and labor hours per ticket is important ones, but I, I track numbers daily. So I'm already up, up to date with that all the time.
2: Yeah, I would say the same. I, I haven't really changed my KPIs much. I still focus on pretty much all of them, ensuring that the um, average RO per ticket is there, um, the motorist time is where it needs to be. I still pay attention to pictures, especially when I get a new technician, just to ensure that um, he's following you know, the structure. Um, and that we're getting good quality pictures because sometimes I do end up finding that, you know, your, our motorist time will start to decrease a little bit if those photos are not, um, as, as good or not reflecting towards what the write-up was. Like a lot of times I'll see that the coolant inspection, they might have a leak. Well, it's sometimes hard to get a picture in their right of the leak. So they just take a picture of the reservoir bottle. So it's kind of like trying to make a proper description to that so that when the tech motorist looks at that, they're going to kind of understand what we're trying to say. Um, You know, so I I pay uh, close attention onto those. And um, yeah, so I would agree.
0: It's interesting. I have a lot of shop owners that actually diagnose with the numbers, you know, just like they diagnose a car and they tell me that when they look at motorist research time, they think about it like fuel trim on a car. If it's in the right range, then a lot of things have went well and I can start looking at ARO. If, if that's good, then I can look at hours per hour and so on. So mm-hmm. they're actually starting to use the business control panel, you know, just kind of like a diagnostic tool.
2: Yeah, for sure.
3: True. Yeah. You can get like way pickier if like all those KPIs look good and you do have you them do. down. Like for instance, my, my shop luckily does. I still look at them just to make sure, but even like Anne Marie said, like, um just the other day the technician drove the car and on the road test it says braking how did braking feel okay there was no shaking so he put it in good put it up in the air well the left rear wheel was seized and now braking's in critical condition but on the test drive part it still says good uh, and then the hydraulics part it said it was in critical so I was like I have to pay attention and I showed my advisors I was like hey I don't want braking in good at the top, that needs to go in critical as well, just like the hydraulic part of it, because that's super, super confusing to the the motorist. motorist. So mm-hmm. we we all talked about that together as a team, and you know that's here we are eight years later, still still learning and getting better, and you know paying attention. But oh, that's what allows really? us when you get all those yeah when you get all those KPIs down. Um, thankfully, you can get into like way pickier stuff like that.
1: Yeah, right. on more
3: stuff. Yeah.
1: Good good problem to have. Yeah. Um. Brittany, you mentioned um, you let your staff sign a new SOP. Yes. What? What? I mean, you do that at the lunch meeting, and there's, you know, everybody stops by and signs, or, or how do you, how do you do that? And then, what impact does it have?
3: Um, I write it up, and I always like to have an SOP just on one piece of paper. I have, like the right. least amount of words possible to get the point across. Um, I print everybody two copies. I say, take two, pass them down. Um, and then we all look at it together. Um, if we need to just read it really quickly, or I'll just read it out loud, um, real quickly. And I say, sign one, take one, um, that this is what we did talk about. This is what we agreed to do and how we're going to do it. And everyone's like, yep, that's exactly what I said that we were going to do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we're going to do. And I've, I'm not usually like, I'm, mentoring the the conversation when it happens but i'm never trying to say like hey we're going to do this then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this it's let's we we discussed it together and everyone put in their their ideas and if someone's not talking at the table too i absolutely ask them to because i want their
2: their two cents
3: in there too to feel empowered and to know that they were also part of writing that sop up so
1: so it's actually less about the signature the signature is just a, a buy-in after they pass the gates as yeah. we used to say of being involved in creating it and being you know um, what's the word talk about it so you have the confidence that it is not just there's a german saying it says papers patient Meaning you can write anything on it; it doesn't really matter, right? But yeah. the signature makes it uh, um, go live. You have a chance that they that you get to buy in. I love that.
3: Yeah, yeah. They they're like, yes, I agree. I'm putting my name on this paper, not just my name, my signature on this paper. Right. So if I ever need to bring it back up, and they're like, no, I I didn't say that, or you know whatever, like, oh, let's pull this up here or whatever. If, if I, you- I don't ever need to do that, but. I
1: was going to ask, have you ever done that in a lunch meeting? Uh,
3: no, and I would never do that in front of. I do quarterly reviews and I do I do one-on-ones too. So I would bring it up at that time if I need to.
1: Very cool.
0: Speaking about meetings, um, you talked about you do a, a, a daily meeting and then you do one-on-ones and quarterly meetings?
3: Yes, we do morning meetings to talk about how the day is going to go, where parts are at, um, where everybody's at with the cars that they're on and what, what's coming in. And then I do have, um, weekly one-on-ones with each person, but it's, it's pretty like laid back and I'll, I'll usually go to like near their workstation just to chat with them for a minute, see if they need anything from me. And then, yeah. And then I do every Friday, we do a team, an entire team lunch meeting. Um, but on Mondays, the technicians all go to lunch together on Tuesdays, us advisors all go to lunch together. Um, and then I do quarterly reviews too. So we're always like, I just always want to make sure that everybody's always on the same page and that also everybody's happy. Like I'm trying my hardest to like maintain culture is, is like one of my number for those one
0: that things. are unfamiliar with doing the morning huddle, is there a list of things that you're trying to go ahead and, and understand to go ahead and set up for a good day?
3: I have, I have a little list of, <clears throat> there's like five things. It's like, uh, what's here? What's coming in? Um, where are parts? It's like all these questions that need to be answered. Just like five things in, in the morning first thing.
0: So you want to discover anything that could be a roadblock?
3: Yeah, and that and those five things have been the same for years now. No one's ever wanted to change them. So.
1: Yeah, they want to get to work.
3: Yeah, and they want to get to work. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Marie, what
3: what what's your
1: meeting cadence?
2: Um, So our meetings are pretty much the same. I mean, we, we verify what we had rolled over from yesterday, when they're going to be, you know, completed for, for today. Um, You know, what, what parts do we have coming in? Um, And our biggest thing that we recently added, that's actually helped improve that my team actually brought to me was um, what cars do we have to pull out? Um, every morning when people are showing up, you know, to pick up or throughout the day so that the techs don't have to stop what they're doing or whomever to go mm-hmm. pull out cars. So we started on our board. So every time we know that a customer's car is complete and it's going to stay overnight, but they're going to pick up the next day, we started adding that. So now that's part of our, our meeting is which cars are, are being picked up that need to be pulled out. We write the, uh, RO number on the board. And then that way every morning, it's just an automatic thing that happens, um, so that we would kind of know how to, to pull things in. So um, that was a big, huge hit for us. Um, yeah, and just pretty much, you know, talking about how the day is going to go, what our goal is, what are we trying to accomplish, and try to make it obviously as smooth as possible and, uh, you know, make sure that everybody's in a, a good, bubbly mood so we can get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm.
1: Can I ask uh, you guys how you pay your tax and sales advisors? Both of you?
3: Yep, uh, I pay all my technicians are hourly plus a uh, flat rate team bonus. Um, and then my advisors are paid off of uh, base salary plus total sales and gross profit margin. It goes just up from there.
2: Yeah, no, we're, we're the same.
1: So what, what did you say? A team flat rate bonus, how does that work?
3: Yeah so everybody's hourly or all the technicians are hourly yep. mm-hmm. um and then say the team as a whole bills out 200 hours that week um that 200 hours um is a is a pie and it, it got bigger over the the total hours billed as a team you know 100 hours 150 200 Makes and this sense. Is mo- mm-hmm. this is money so say that 200 hours is um you know $3000 that they all get to split now, depending on who did the most. So say like someone did a hundred hours, let's just say that someone did a hundred hours, they would get $1,500 of that $3,000 bonus. for that week. So whatever part of the pie that they did, they would get um, whatever, however much they did in percentage wise of, uh, but, it, it, but it grows as a team. That's a whole thing too, is like, they encourage each other to get big jobs done because right. they know that the pie and money is gonna get bigger and bigger um if more jobs get done so um absolutely hate flat rate not never ever go back to it um i've done it a, a couple of times and it was horrible um i think the way that we do things is is yeah. way better for culture so
1: yeah so flat rate basically encourages individual first right uh-huh. that's that's the problem with the it
2: yeah
1: yeah but uh, if you if you air too much on the team side there's a danger that high performers feel kind of you know lumped in have you ever um encountered any of those challenges
3: um no because even still like the 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 pie if you will the dollar amount for the team bonus you know is still there, even at a small team hourly um, completion for the week, but if okay. that person build out ninety percent of it, they're going to get ninety percent of that bonus, and the other guys get to okay. split, you know, ten percent. So 10%. they're still getting like most of my guys make. So it's a
0: piece of their pie that they get based on the hours they contributed to the pie.
3: Exactly. So someone did fifty percent of the hours build, they get fifty percent of the dollar amount of the of the pie. Um, most of my guys make like $12 an hour more um, sometimes $20 an hour more um, than their regular hourly rate with this team bonus. So I think it works out pretty well.
1: Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Dang, we're almost uh, at the end of the session again. Um, Bill, what do you want to do?
0: So what I'd like to do before we go ahead and get into getting them to wrap up is to go ahead and, um, you know, see if we can go ahead. And over time, they've learned some skills that they have to go in and implement that they didn't possess before uh, when they started this journey. Sure. If you go ahead and share what some of them skills are and, you know, how you use them to go and get to your team to go in and actually follow you rather than pushing them uphill all the way.
2: So the question you're asking, Bill, is what what we've had to implement over the years, what we've learned. To what, what,
0: what you've learned to go ahead and become a better leader.
2: Wow, there's so many things I've learned, honestly. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing was... Um, you know, as we learn is, is networking with the right people, getting involved around the right people of your surroundings, positive people, um, you know, uh, learning the process and procedures, following them. And I mean, from a leader's perspective, if you want to learn, you know, you have to invest time in yourself. And so, you know, I do a lot of reading. I liked um, John Maxwell's, one of the Uh, leaders that I like to do a lot of reading and, and watch YouTube videos on. And so I'm always looking for ways to do that to improve myself on ways that I can find different abilities to approach certain things I mean, even in the real estate world, um, you know, becoming a leader, you know, uh, people are looking at you and they're looking for you to do the best job for them and, and have to, to mentor them as well, even a buying process or selling repairs to a customer. So education, I think, is the biggest thing. So the more I feel like I learn, the more I can assist and help others. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned over time is just investing in myself so that I can become better at what I do and learning how to negotiate and um, just finding um, ways to um, act quickly. A lot of times when it comes to this particular situation, I don't like to dwell and take a long time to figure things out. So you know, going through the what ifs and and putting that cell through my mind and, and being able to take care of things quickly, I think has been a huge impact for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I like to invest in myself so that I can become better, a, a better leader.
1: So and we do you, I don't know whether you count those hours, but could you tell us how many hours per week? Would you dedicate to I don't know reading books, listening to podcasts, or something like that, or is it so, how do you do? It? That's
2: my morning routine when I get ready. So every morning, um, so I play with my dog from five to five thirty. That's our little training session, and then um, from five thirty to six thirty, that is pretty much my my time that I put into. Um, reading. I read a lot of ratchet and wrench and I do, you know, watch different podcasts, your guys's podcast. So just every week I'm trying to pick something a little different. Um, And uh, yeah, so I pretty much do that. And then on my weekends, I probably put in a little bit more time uh, times, I'm pretty much dead at that point I don't have a brain by the time I leave here so um you know I'm just trying to follow up and keep up with what I had going on throughout the day but morning my morning routine is pretty much where I put that time into watching and, and reading
1: that's an incredible discipline I mean so, awesome congratulations goodney <laughs>
3: um leadership changing over the years. Absolutely. Um, especially, you know, being in my younger 20s to, to now too, I'm 31, um, has changed a lot too. And I've just learned and, and grew. And then I started training people too. And I think one of my biggest things of getting better and better as a leader is teaching other people how to be leaders. So kind of transitioning from a leader to a mentor, and then teaching them how to be a leader. That's really helped me be better you know, Mm -hmm. I I watch some of my service advisors that are are second-in-command service advisors here too, and I'm like, hey, calm is contagious. Like, I'm getting better myself by teaching him things that I know, Mm -hmm. and then then it's just um, getting the wheels turning more in my head too of, hey, this is why I do it, and this is what I've been taught. Um, I also Mm -hmm. am in a really awesome leadership class with ATI that's also teaching us how to become mentors rather than just leaders too. Um, That's been a, a big, huge help, but I feel like teaching others what the, the the things that I know um makes me even better of the things that I know. Um I always I always tell that to um my brother who's a shop manager who trains technicians I'm like, "Hey, when you train someone or you educate someone on on something, have them teach it back to you because I feel like mm-hmm. you learn so much more mm-hmm. when you teach someone something that you learned." Um it just it just works really really well and um builds your confidence more it builds my confidence way more so and then it also empowers people and and then it makes them feel like they really understood exactly what you're saying or what you need them to do so
0: what's the difference for you between a leader and a mentor
3: um I feel like being a mentor is I I feel like it's just a a little bit deeper it's it's more on it's just a deeper level than just being like a (laughs) a leader that someone just comes to like what I really want to do as a mentor is just instill leadership in everybody so they're empowered and again we talked about this yesterday like I want I want someone to walk in here and not know who the boss is or not know who the manager is because everyone has that that confidence and I feel like that's more of a mentorship rather than oh there's the manager right
2: over there kind of thing so yeah (laughs) Yeah, I would, I would say for me on the the leadership side versus um, a mentor is I, I agree with Brittany mentoring is more of getting inside into deeper hands on hands with that same level of individuals that's needing assistance and really being a part of that versus leadership is kind of more of delegation, um, mm-hmm. setting the path. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that to me is what the difference is between our, our leadership roles and our mentoring roles and, um. I I do a lot of that when I do real estate, it's it's more mentoring than than really anything um, because you've got to you know set the, the parameters and be right by their side throughout every process. And so that's what we do when we're service advising or working with our staff is just being side by side. Mm-hmm.
1: Any any specific books, podcasts, groups you can recommend because they create a lot of light bulbs going on for you?
2: Well, in the auto industry um, to be specific, cause I, I watch a lot of different podcasts because I think we can learn things from other industries as well to improve what we do on a day-to-day basis. But, um, you know, Ratchet and Wrench is obviously one that I follow. I watch your guys' podcast to hear what other shop owners have. I listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey because he just things in life in general. Um, John Maxwell is a really great one. And um, there's probably a few others if I really put my mind to it. Um, But I do a lot of Facebooking groups, too, where I read a lot and the senses of Mm -hmm. certain situations that people fall into and try to help. Um, you know, discuss different options and things. So I enjoy doing those types of things as well.
0: Well, cool. so we've got about uh, five minutes left. So what I'd like to do is like we always do is go ahead and wrap up with, you know, your top three things that you would encourage a shop owner or somebody listening to do to go ahead and become a leader in their digital shop.
3: Yeah, I would say just op- be like open and transparent with your team about the processes and procedures that you do try, try your hardest not to be a a dictator type leader, you know, don't go around just telling people what to do. Let's, let's teach people what to do, you know, have those non-negotiables. This is what we're doing. Of course, like that, that is what you want, but like, what's the best way to get this done as a team at our shop specifically, don't go based off of what other shops are doing, but I feel like sitting down with your team is the best way to get it done and best way to get buy-in of things that you really want them to do
2: absolutely and i couldn't agree more uh, getting your team's buy-in um being you know side by side with them understanding their position um, i think it's a huge role um, being patient mm-hmm. um, you have to have a lot of patience especially when you're bringing in apprentices and whatnot they ask lots of questions and things and you know you let everybody know that there's never a dumb question and um you know just knowing when to take that those mistakes and turn them into that perfect training time to discuss what they did wrong and how they they could have perhaps you know um prevented that from happening and just asking more questions and just being open like Brittany said being transparent and always knowing that they can come to you for anything and being readily available and having the resources
0: That's awesome. I like the the mindset is that when an employee makes a mistake and they learn from it, they're a more valuable employee because they're not going to do it again.
2: That's
0: right. Ubi, you have anything else you'd like to add before we
1: wrap? No, I'm blown away. I I was thinking, you know, maybe we should take this podcast and ask some university to use it as a leadership training because I, I feel we're you know, Anne-Marie and Brittany said so many, you know, right things, whether it's at the detailed level, like the signature of the SOP, or whether it's at the high level, transparency, culture, digital metrics. I mean, I'm blown away. Thank you. Thank well, you thank both you of for you. for
2: having us. Yes, thank you.
0: So I'd like to sincerely thank both of you for joining us again. Um, um, hopefully we can get you to go ahead and join us again in the future where you do another check-in on you guys and see how you're doing. Um, we certainly appreciate it, and I know that our listeners do also. For those that are listening, um, I'd like to thank you. Uh, think about going ahead and going to autovitalscom forward slash radio and taking that link and maybe sending to another shop owner that maybe is struggling a little bit, that'd like to hear from some other shop owners just like them of how they're doing things. Um, you can also go and find us on your favorite podcast platform by going to the Digital Shop Talk Radio and maybe listen to it on your or drive time or when you're doing your morning exercises or something like that other than that i'd like to thank everybody and tell you to go out there and make some money and while your customer is in the process
3: all right thank Thank you you thank you thank you awesome